G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to ask if Christmas is alive and well in Australia. Is Christmas alive and well in your community? What are the churches doing in your community? Are the councils running community carols by candlelight or carols in the park? What do the carols sound like these days in your community? So what is the Christmas spirit like perhaps in places like your local shopping centre. Well, there are controversies we can talk about too. Was the early Christmas a pagan event, a pagan festival, or not? What's the connection there? And what's all this controversy over the virgin birth? You might have your own thoughts to offer. You might have your own insights. Well, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We'll take some calls very shortly. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Ross Clifford. He is the principal at Morling College in Sydney, where he's also a lecturer in theology and ethics and apologetics. He's the author of more than a dozen books. His latest book is called Taboo or To Do. And Ross Clifford is joining us. Hello, Ross. Welcome back to 2020. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, Neil. Uh, Ross, any big plans for Christmas in your family? Oh, always big plans for Christmas, mate. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Uh, great time of the year, family gatherings, uh, meeting up with friends, Christmas party after Christmas party, uh, but also, you know, focusing on the true meaning of Christmas. And uh, it's a great, great opportunity to celebrate the Lord Jesus. You know, when you say, I absolutely love it, uh, I know that so many listeners, that'll be resounding with them. You'll have struck a chord because they absolutely love it. Others, on the other hand, are a little bit doubtful as to, now that I'm a Christian, now that I'm a determined and excited follower of Christ, what am I to think of some of the ways that Christmas is celebrated that don't look so Christian? I wonder whether, too, some people might have become a little bit fearful even of shining their light because of this, you know, this prevalence of political correctness and those sorts of things. What are your thoughts on the way people might be feeling about Christmas coming up this Christmas season? Look, I understand that, Neil. And for some people, it's also a very heavy time because of family tragedy or other things that have taken place at this time of the year. And I understand that. But... Uh, for many of us, it's a great time of celebration. So I, I really think that uh, when we're dealing with uh, shopping centres and uh, places like that, uh, Neil, uh, you know, with all the commercialism that some of us want to back away from, where we do see signs of the true meaning of Christmas, like a nativity scene, uh, which I saw down at my local shopping centre put up on Facebook and massive response or them playing carols, we would affirm that to that organisation or that shopping centre, affirm what they're doing, encourage them to do more and use those places and opportunities um, to further conversation with other people. You know, stand by the nativity scene in the shopping centre and when someone comes by, say, what do you think of this? Isn't it wonderful? Or go in the shopping centre and say, I love the carols. I heard about a shopping centre not far from me, Neil, where they didn't play many carols last year, 2016, of any at all 
during the Christmas season. And, and the shops in the centre got so many complaints from the people who went in, into the shops, that this year they're inundated with carols because the store owners said, you know, we got too many complaints from the lack of Christmas spirit last season. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? This idea of lack of Christmas spirit uh, for one person, uh, just because you've got a Santa Claus and uh, some carol singing, whether it's Christian or not, that's sort of the way they think of Christmas. But others who are being a little more thoughtful are wondering about the spirituality of the message. Uh, what are your thoughts in uh, in appreciating all of these different forms of the way people celebrate Christmas and yet being able to, in some ways, settle on what you believe and what you want to be able to create, perhaps even as your own family culture about Christmas? Oh, look, spot on. And I think commercialism and stuff that goes around Christmas can be a real worry. But, uh, Neil, I think it's a real opportunity for us to share with people the love of God and the true meaning of Christmas and there's so many places it breaks into our community around this time of the year like never before where we can introduce the message of Jesus into those environments and conversations I mean if you're with friends down the shopping center might not be Christian and a carol is playing uh, you know while you're shopping you could say oh I, I love this carol do you have a favorite carol and they say well don't, don't go to church and I mean you know what I mean you can they're just wonderful ways to open conversations to the deeper meaning of Christmas. What about carol singing in communities? Uh, sometimes it's tempting to stay home and watch the big TV uh, carol performances. You know, there's always one in Sydney and there's one in Melbourne and uh, no doubt there's probably going to be one this weekend, one of those. I'm not sure which one it'll be. But uh, the temptation to sit at home and be an armchair spectator on carols uh, or the idea of actually going out physically into the community. And, you know, it's not always as comfortable, is it, sitting on a rug in the park? No. Uh, but there is something about gathering with others that, uh, you know, when you're rubbing shoulders with other people in your community and singing those carols together. What are your thoughts on, on the idea of carol singing? Oh, look, I think, it, I think it's wonderful. And uh, maybe listeners have stories about what happens in their own churches or communities. But, uh, uh, you know, many churches that I'm associated with have uh, their own community carol time or they link with other churches or community groups for a carol time. And people come and they sing and then they can, you know, relate the message. But mate, if we can be, it's good to be there, you know, to form the conversation, to, to be with people, you know, you know, and, and, and you know, speak to them and, 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 and share. So I think carol singing and, and the like is great. And I still remember uh, times when people used to come down my street singing carols. <laughs> That's probably yeah. how old I am. <laughs> You're showing your age happened. now. <laughs> <laughs> or we used to get in a truck and go out around the neighbourhood singing carols. You know, we'd all stand on the back of a truck and go from <laughs> street to street. I don't know if that still goes on, but uh, I really love that. Well, there might be listeners uh, who have some stories about what happens in your neighbourhood. I know that in a lot of neighbourhoods, uh, particularly in uh, in country Australia, uh, oftentimes the fire brigades uh, will, you know, have the fire engine uh, driving around the streets and throwing lollies to kids and all sorts of things like that. Uh, those are sort of Aussie traditions, aren't they? But it is uh, there is a certain sense in which whatever you do, whether it looks Christian or not, it actually does still. Uh, show a sense of this Australian appreciation of showing goodwill to one another, which comes through in the Christmas season, Ross. Yes, and, and 
having said all those positives, Neil, I, I am aware that there are, there are places that are trying to close Christmas down. And I'd like to hear those stories. So, look, uh, you know, a friend of mine in, in, in Scotland, Neil, he went to buy the Christmas stamps. Uh, and the Christmas stamps are second-class mail because they're only 60p. And he went into the local post office and he said, I'll have the Christmas stamps. And the woman said, that's great. And he said, I'll have the ones with the Christian message. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. And she gave the stamps to him. And he said, oh, you're selling out of those. And she said, no, you're the first person to ask me for those stamps. Other people have said, I don't want the Christmas stamps with the Christian message on them. Mm. And he said, well, that's the state that England's got to. People are buying the Christmas stamps and asking for the ones without anything Christian on them. No. Now, I think our post office, Australia Post, have stamps, I think, that have, um, you know, some Christian scenes on them, the Mary with child, etc. But, you know, I'd be really interested to know if people are actually buying them or, or they're feeling people aren't buying those and they're going for the secular kind of stamp. You know, I'd be interested to hear from listeners as to whether you send a Christmas card regularly to friends and contacts or whether you send the Christmas email. I mean, this is the way technology changes things. But but when you send a Christmas card, do you send one that specifically has a Christmas Christian message on it or just some sort of a generic uh, Christmas greeting? So uh, listeners might like to participate uh, by the way of how you're celebrating Christmas and even if you use your Christmas card sending uh, to be a message of the reality yeah. of the Christmas Christian spirit. Well, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. if you'd like to join in our conversation, we'll take calls as they come through. Why don't we take one from Karen in Melbourne, who's waiting patiently. Hello, Karen. Welcome along. Hello, dear. Can you hear me all right? Yes, I can hear you fine. What are your thoughts on our conversation um, today? Um, there's a lot to talk about Christmas and the way um, in society it's, it's uh, celebrated. In our shopping, I live in the western side of Melbourne called a place called Sunshine and the big shopping centre there um, has carols playing all the time and we've got heaps of decorations and all and um, they have a nativity scene there which is quite good. Um, but I like the way the carols are piped through the air, you know, through the um, system. Um, and in our church, um, we have carols the night before, the, uh, the service before on the Christmas Eve, we sing them. But we also sing, um, we have a singing time every Sunday for about uh, 40 minutes, and um, which is good. We sing a lot of the songs that you play on the radio. That's and, wonderful. And um, we have a Christmas lunch, and anyone's invited. Uh, it's a really big lunch on the Christmas Eve, which is a good thing. But I do know they have carols by candlelight at the Northern, at the Mine Music Bowl on Christmas Eve, which is good. And a lot of the individual churches are having carol services in Melbourne. My son goes to a church um, in the Northern suburbs, and they're having a special carols. Karen, you're indicating, and this is likely to be in many communities, but as you describe your situation in Melbourne there, the Christmas spirit is alive and well, mm-hmm. and it's not just your local church, but as you say, you can you can point to the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl and the carols there, and the whole city seems to rally around those candles. Uh, Ross Clifford, your thoughts for Karen? I'm just interested, Karen, in your shopping centre, do you, do you feel this Christmas there's more playing of carols and uh, and, and you know the the Christmas season than previous years, or is this is this is the way it normally is? Um, the decorations are the same. Um, I didn't see nativity scene there last time, but there is now. Um, the carols weren't there last year either, so yes, it has increased, and there is a centre there, but um, 
which is very careful. Um, I think that society and commercialism um, in society as a business um, is mm-hmm. taking away, it's trying to take away the key meaning of Christmas. At our church, we've got a theme, every month we've had a theme at our church for preaching, and this month it's Jesus is the reason for the season. Um, yeah. uh, we, we touched last week on the fact that Santa is a pagan tradition and um, how, how sad it is that it's keeping you and taking over. Okay, well, Karen, just great to hear from you. Thank you so much mm. for sharing your insights today. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about Christmas for Melburnians uh, <laughs> because the way Karen describes it there, uh, people in Melbourne are exposed to really good Christian traditions there, Ross. Yes, and I, I, what Karen was saying, and I I don't know if this is uniform, the sense that the uh, in in the shopping centres and elsewhere, the spirit and the real reason for the season has been increased. And uh, that would be interesting to know, because as I said, I'm aware that in some shopping centres there were complaints about how it was being diminished. And so this year, it's gone back to some of the old carol playing and, 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 and upping the ante with respect to Christmas. So maybe in some sense, Neil, in some places we might be winning, but I'm sure we're losing in some other places. <laughs> well, it might be one of those years of contrast because, uh, you know, losing some uh, issues and votes and various things. But in, yeah. I've noticed, and of course I monitor news headlines regularly, as you no doubt too as well, but in previous years when there's been uh, the idea of people uh, potentially being offended by uh, the Christian issues that go on around Christmas because there's some different religion and the idea of sensitivity of of uh, shopping centre managements that that might sort of try and uh, suppress the Christian message being delivered at Christmas time. Perhaps there hasn't been as much of that this year and people have been very comfortable to actually have the nativity scene and play those great old classic Christmas carols. Perhaps that's something that's different about this year, Ross. Well, it is for me. Uh, and it is in my world, but as I say, it'll be interesting to see if that's the, if that's true across the board. But um, yeah, look, I, I think there's no apology for Christmas around the places I go to. Well, let's get a little bit of a opportunity to check the pulse around the nation. Let's hear from Benita in South Australia. Uh, Benita, welcome along. What are your thoughts? Hello, Benita. Have we got you? Or have I got Graham? Benita. You might need to call us back on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's try for Graham. Hello, Graham. Uh, hi. How are you? Good, uh, Graham. Good you're in. To you both. You're in Tasmania, in Burnie. I am oh. indeed. So, what's happening Christmas-wise for you this year? Well, I've been in two minds about the whole issue for the last forty odd years. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been part of churches that absolutely uh, think it's pagan. Um, uh, basically using one of the arguments is that Christ, uh, we were never instructed to celebrate his birth, but are instructed to celebrate his death, which we do in Lord's Supper. However, um, I'm becoming a bit of a convert. Uh, I'm having second thoughts about that view. And this is primarily because of what we see, and we, I know you see it too, as does Dr. Clifford, the, the attack on Christianity, Christian influence in society. So little of it... Uh, uh, these days, uh, and because of that, I'm thinking, wow, uh, as, as Dr. Tibbet has said, um, this is a great opportunity, um, in spite of the historical inaccuracies around the story, uh, this is a great opportunity to promote Christ. That's the first thing I wanted to say. The second thing, um, if I may, sure. uh, 
Christmas cards. Uh, I run a business, and um, in the last couple of years, I've been in the habit of sending uh, clients um, Christmas cards. But this year, I was a bit late in looking for uh, good ones and couldn't find anything that wasn't yeah. uh, didn't have a fat man in a red suit. Also, that's politically incorrect, isn't it? Sorry, a weight challenge person. <laughs> anyway, um, I couldn't find anything at all, even in, in the local Christian bookshop that uh, that uh, had a nativity scene on it. So I designed my own. And Graham, that's very, very good thoughts. Uh, response from Ross Clifford. Oh, look, I think, Graham, about the cards, I'm with you. I struggle to find, uh, you know, Christmas cards that uh, have a good christian message in them that i can send out and uh, you know you make your own in the end but uh, that's been a real struggle so i'm with you on that i don't know what others feel but look i i just think you know christians have been beaten up a bit in the past and we all know that we've spoken about this on the air where people know where i come from on that that we're losing we are losing our judeo-christian culture and heritage and we lose that at great cost but this is an opportunity to claim it back People are with us at Christmas. They understand, many of them, that uh, it's a key time of the year and it's about the person of Jesus. So this is just one of those ways, I think, Neil, of reversing the tide. You know, God gives us this opportunity. Let's claim it. Let's do it well. And, uh, you know, let's make sure that that Christmas spirit is out there because, you know, we're in a battle here in Australia and, you know... When we can see a win, I'm going for it. <laughs> That's good. Well, Graham from Burnie in Tasmania, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, we're talking all things Christmas today. Dr. Ross Clifford, the principal at Morling College in Sydney, is our guest. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Ross, let's tackle this one about the pagan roots of Christmas because there are, and it does appear to be, uh, quite common uh, that every church will have someone who says, oh, I don't really celebrate Christmas much because I'm understanding of the pagan roots. Uh, What are your thoughts on the, the roots? of Christmas and the way we celebrate it today? Well, look, Neil, there's a lot of historical debate going on at the moment whether uh, Christmas actually has pagan roots, of whether the Roman Empire actually borrowed from the church or the church was taking over you know, the festival of Saturn and taking over a pagan festival that was part of the winter uh, solstice and, and had a sense of you know, the, the birth, the, the coming of the light and the sun. And, and they saw, well, this is something we could take over because we're about the birth and the light of the sun, light into darkness. This meets up with that sort of pagan theme, and we'll take that over and claim that for Jesus. I mean, that's one theory. But there's another theory out there, Neil, that you might be aware of, and a very strong historical theory, that the church itself was looking at a time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, and uh, in those days, and in Judaism, um, it was often associated with the time of conception, of the uh, Messiah or, or the prophet was seen as a key date. And so as they believed that Jesus died in March, they took the time of conception to be around the 25th of December, and that would be a good time to celebrate. So there is a lot of historical evidence as well that the church itself had seen this as a good day to celebrate that particular event, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world. Let's just dwell on this for a moment because uh, I'm not sure you've got something just slightly out of order there, uh, uh, Ross. Uh, when we talk about March, 
because I'm familiar with this theory too, and uh, the time of conception or the Annunciation uh, with the angel Gabriel, and we'll be familiar with that from the Scriptures. Oh, and, yes, uh, yes, yes. and and so there was a thought that uh, at that particular time, uh, 25th of March, that that would have been the conception, because that was a time Absolutely. that was being aligned with the idea of the creation of the world. And this that's whole... Uh, that way. I'm sorry, Neil, yeah, that's, that's I, spot on, that's exactly... Yep, yep. yep. And, and so the nine months, so we talk about a nine-month gestation... Yep. Uh, would take you to the 25th of December. So, Absolutely. so you've, you've yeah. nailed it there. No, I just think you just got one little thing out of, out of alignment oh, there, okay. but Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not about to correct you, Ross Clifford. Oh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but this is very interesting because the idea that somehow rather Christmas was itself some sort of pagan festival, uh, when you actually transpose this idea that Christians were looking for a date to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and they settle on the 25th, and just because that happens to coincide with the Northern Hemisphere winter solstice, uh, that actually is very strategic on behalf of those church leaders back in those days, back in the 4th century. I agree. And uh, so I think there's a long historical history that uh, this was a time to, you know, for the church to celebrate the birth of its Messiah, the Lord Jesus, and they did that independent of any pagan roots. Uh, but even if there was a pagan custom that uh, somehow got taken over, I had no great problem with that as well, Neil, because it was taken over to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's saying what this pagan festival was looking to, what was looking to light and darkness has actually come in the person of Jesus. So, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to focus on the pagan. Jesus is completed and fulfilled. And what we got to do at Christmas is to make sure that all the consumerism and all the paganism finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Point people away from that to the true meaning. So, Ross, when we can settle on the idea that Christmas truly is a Christian festival, uh, the way that we can identify a time, and we know that it's not the exact birthday, uh, but if we can say that is the day that we celebrate it, then somehow or other we can plan our own family culture to take the best bits of what we see as Christian Christmas and displace some of the pagan activities that happen today because we can talk about pagan things of the past, but there's some of these things that happen at Christmas time. We might say these are pagan things in the present. Yeah, it looks spot on. And we ought to model and disciple, uh, live out in discipleship, what we think is a faithful celebration of Christmas. All right. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You can contribute to our conversation. Let's take a call from, we've got Benita from South Australia back with us. We must have lost her earlier, but hello, Benita. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. Lovely to hear from you, Benita. What are your thoughts on our conversation today? Uh, It's regarding the Christmas cards. I would always like to leave the Christmas message on the card and I'll send it to everybody who the non-Christians who are not celebrating Christmas. We would do, we always send the Christmas cards to all our friends and non-Christians too and they give the Christmas message. That's wonderful. And uh, you don't have to have a really long message. You can do something that just draws attention to. On the Christmas card, Mm. we go and buy the cards from the Koran where the Christmas message is there. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. your th- uh, Ross Clifford, your thoughts for Benita? Oh, I'm spot on with you, Benita. And also, I know churches that actually let a letterbox drop their area with a nice, simple Christmas card, 
perhaps with even a note, you know, inviting them to a carol or a special Christmas service. And I, as a pastor, Neil, uh, have been part of a church that has, has done that. And I would meet people in the street who would say, you're my church. And I'd think, oh, I don't know if I've seen you much around I haven't around seen church. you there. <laughs> yeah. They'd say, no, we, we have your card. <laughs> and you, people often touch in ways you don't understand. And so when a crisis comes in their life, who do they turn to, Neil? They turn to the one they've received the card from. That's right. And that's another stepping stone to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a powerful thing you're talking about here, Ross, this idea of goodwill that's generated by the contact that you might have. And you're saying that a Christmas card can make all the difference in the life of a person and they'll even adopt your church as their own, even though they're not regular churchgoers. But if there's an issue or if there's a family death and they need to have a funeral or uh, if there's a birth in the family and they want a dedication or a baptism, they're going to think of your church. So it's a great oh, way to uh, to create that goodwill. Absolutely. I mean, not everyone, but a certain percentage will. And, and that's that's an extraordinary blessing and gift that we have. So I just think we can use, as Benita was saying, sending a card out to friends, even non-Christian friends, with a with a nice, appropriate little message uh, about Jesus and the gospel will be received this time of the year like it wouldn't be received at any other time of the year. It will hang up on their tree or on their mantelpiece. They'll see it. Wonderful. And uh, not to get too uh, bogged down on Christmas cards, but even if you had a Christmas card, as you say, you're having find, uh, trouble finding ones that are Christian-oriented, uh, when I open a Christmas card, I don't always read the printed greeting message in there, but I always, always read what's handwritten. And yes. really, if you've got, if you can't find a great Christian card, you can write something that is Christian uh, that draws attention to the real reason for the season in your own handwriting, and that's more powerful, Ross. Yes, I, I, I agree. And people won't feel you're preaching at them. You're just bringing a Christmas greeting and you're being yourself. <laughs> and, uh, Ross, before we take any more calls, let's talk another, uh, another one of these controversies uh, that some Christians grapple with, and that is the idea of the virgin birth. Now, the virgin birth for some is, you now that's sort of a crazy idea, but God has something significant in mind when he has engineered it all this way. What are your thoughts on the controversy of the virgin birth? Uh, now, look, that's a really good question, and I know some churches and Christians seek to have Christmas without the virgin birth. And uh, maybe some of our listeners are in that category. You cannot have Christmas, well, you can, but you cannot have the real Christmas, Neil, without the virgin birth. That's the message of the gospel, that Jesus is born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit was overseeing the birth of Jesus. And that's why, Neil, that strong statement, Emmanuel, God with us, is so key. Because, because of the virgin birth, this is both God and man, Neil. And it's only because Jesus is both God and man, he can be our Lord and Saviour, he can be the one who died and rose again, he can be with us every day of the week. If you take away the virgin birth, Neil, you're left with just another good person in history. And so this is really key. And people say to me, there's not evidence for it. Neil, there's plenty of evidence in it. Read both Gospels, uh, Matthew and uh, Luke. They tell the story differently. Matthew has wise men. Uh, Luke has shepherds. They've got their, well, as a former lawyer, that kind of touch. They tell their stories differently, but they hone into the central event of Jesus being born of a virgin Mary. And so good evidence there, good reliable historical evidence, and the churches have built their faith on the incarnation 
of Jesus. So I think it's really key that we remind everyone, this is just not the birth of a good guy, this is not a birth of one of the best people in history, this is the birth of one who was both God and man, and he alone has that unique character and status about him. Hey Ross, reflect for a few moments for us, because when we think of the virgin birth, uh, sometimes for some people they can think, oh, there's just a little interesting twist in the story. But theologically speaking, how do you reflect on the importance of the virgin birth? Because we know that uh, it's even the fulfillment of prophecy. But Mm. what would be the importance of the Holy Spirit uh, conceiving uh, Jesus in the womb of Mary? Uh, what's uh, What's this connection here? Why couldn't Jesus have had an earthly father? Because it was important to show that Jesus' Father was the Heavenly Father. It's important to show that why Jesus, and the Church has always understood and held that Jesus is both man, he's truly human, he came to be one amongst us, but he's also God. So if it was just an earthly Father, um, Neil, we wouldn't have that God factor, Jesus being both God and man. But he has a heavenly father. He's both God and man. The Holy Spirit oversaw it. So he clearly is God in the flesh. And no one else in history, Neil, can we say that of. No one else in history. So why I celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus and he's risen and he's Lord. Let me say, Neil, that there was no virgin birth. There's no death and resurrection that we celebrate either. Because it's of the one who is the God-man who came to be amongst us. And Neil, a lot of pagan religions around the time, you know, had some sort of wish for a virgin birth or some sort of uh, mythical figure. It was never historical. But what C.S. Lewis and others said, what if that universal longing for God to be with us, to God to be with us and come into humanity and, and show us the way and be our friend and comforter, what if that wish and that prophetic fulfillment was actually fulfilled in history? And it was. Our universal longings are fulfilled in, Chris, in Christmas, in the message. So, mate, every Christmas, remember you are celebrating the one who is both God and man, born of a virgin, and speak out against those who would seek to diminish the virgin birth, especially, Neil, within the churches, within the churches. I think the Apostle Paul would be screaming at them. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Well, let's. Uh, if there's any listeners uh, where in your church uh, you somehow rather have heard from the pulpit uh, that the virgin birth is not to be taken literally, perhaps you might like to give us a call one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Our talkback lines open. Let's take a call. Wayne is in Norlunga in South Australia. Hello, Wayne. Welcome along. Have we got you, Wayne? Something uh, a worry there, Wayne. You might like to call us back. Let's try Sue in Sydney. Hello, Sue. Welcome along. Oh, good morning to you both. Sue, what are your thoughts on our conversation today? Uh, I was just going to mention about the Christmas cards and how uh, that's quite an integral part of my Christmas and um, sending them to family and friends, often to friends that I don't see or hear from, you know, from one year to another, but we keep in touch with a Christmas card. And I always make sure that there is a, a Christmas message and I make sure that there is a um, Christian stamp on it. 
That's going to the attention to detail that really says that your heart is about actually making sure that your friends, your family, your network, they know that you've come from a Christian foundation. Uh, Let me ask you, uh, Sue, when you do write your Christmas card, are you writing a little bit of, uh, you know, history for the year? Sometimes people include a Christmas letter, those sorts of things. And, uh, And sometimes that can be something of a testimony of what God's been doing in your life. Yes, often uh, with friends that I haven't seen for the year, I definitely do that. And um, but of course, with with family, we know we do catch up through the year. Um, but yes, I think that's a wonderful thing to do and um, let people know where you are and um, you know how your Christian walk is going. So, um, and I always write um, something else rather than the message that's in the card itself. And I found that places like Kurong, they've got a lovely lot of um, cards. Mm. Uh, that's right. Find uh, your local Christian bookstore, and undoubtedly you'll find a great range of Christmas cards. Uh, your thoughts for Sue Ross? Oh, look, I love it, Sue. And I'd love to get a card from you. All those details you go through, but let me ask Sue in particular: in particular, do you have any problems getting a Christian stamp, uh, a stamp with a Christian no. message on it? No, I Excellent. always ask for them. So, yeah, there's no, no, I don't have any trouble. Excellent. I wonder I, I whether love the details, Sue. Love it. Thank you so much for your input today, Sue. I wonder whether, Ross, it's the people who are running that particular post office or when we talk about what sort of carols are being played in the shopping centre, whether it's the centre management and somebody's selecting what the songs are. And I I suspect that if you are in one of those uh, roles of authority, you might have a great opportunity to let the light of Jesus shine at Christmas, as much as those who might be trying to suppress the message are are also in authority and have a place of influence there. You, You should take your opportunity to influence whenever you can. Look, I agree, Neil. And uh, with respect to shopping centres and, and, and the like, let me just share a little tip. Uh, don't complain to the management, what you can, if you think there's an absence of Christmas. Go into one or two of the shops where you buy things and purchase things and just let it be known that you would like to be around more at Christmas, but the lack of Christmas activity in the centre and the shopping centre is disturbing to you. Mate, that will have the impact. <laughs> it's because the when sh- they have their debrief as retailers or whatever afterwards, I will say to the centre, guys, you've got to up the ante because there's a lot of people here not happy with uh, our customers with how Christmas is operating. And that's how some shopping centres have turned it around. You know, talk to the local shopkeeper and he's going to agree with you. Uh, you could make that your mission, couldn't you? Just uh, go yes, for a walk through be. your shopping centre, pop into every shop and say, hey, it's not as Christian Christmassy here as it used to be. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's but the retailer who's paying there. the rent. Yeah, reverse two. If it is, and if it's been good, let them know that as well. You love shopping here because of the wonderful, you know, true Christian Christmas spirit that operates. Wonderful. Well, let's take some more calls. Let's hear from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Uh, good day, Neil, and guest. Yeah, I just think anyone who uh, says that the date is pagan has the spirit of a Pharisee because uh, God says uh, the letter of the law kills, but the spirit brings uh, life. And the spirit behind the day is that you're telling the world that the Saviour came, you know, God sent his son a Saviour to save the world. So even more, more greater that it might be on a pagan day, you know, what the, what the devil means for evil, God uses for good. So... I, I just think, you know, that these people should be out witnessing more than complaining about the day. So, you know, otherwise you're just keeping on swallowing swallowing gnats and uh, straining out camels sort of thing, you know. Uh, Ross, your thoughts for Chris in Victoria? 
Oh, look, I love it, Chris, and uh, you've got my spirit. Uh, I, look, I think there's times to be uh, prophetic and critical when need to be, but basically God's given us this opportunity, still exists in Australia, and I'm with you. Let's go for it. Let's, let's claim Christmas. Let's be out there. Uh, let's take every opportunity. Stand by the nativity scene in your shopping centre, if there is one. Take selfies. Get people taking selfies. Watch people come up and I'll take selfies. You know, get people engaged. Do something creative. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to Chris from Victoria. Let's hear from Wayne, who is back with us from Noralunga in South Australia. Hello, Wayne. Yeah, how you going? Very good, Wayne. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts is like how you were just talking about how uh, like has paganism uh, come into uh, Christianity? Yes, it has. Just when you look into uh, Jeremiah ten, just uh, remind us what Jeremiah ten says. It says deck your halls with uh, mm. You know, was, uh, cut down a tree, nail it to the wood, uh, throw up your golden stuff and whatnot. Okay, it do away with uh, idols. I think that's what yeah, you're referring that, to. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talk- referring to, yeah. I think when you're sorting through the gifts of Christmas, uh, Ross, you do have to do a little bit of sorting. You need to be conscious that there are some issues that are not particularly Christian and and I guess coming to a level of maturity about those is an important thing. Yeah, and not confusing people too. Uh, Neil, I think, is important as well because your house and how you live and what you've got on your car and whatever can be a message to people. But look, I would just say to uh, Chris, just remember that the difficulty with a lot of what he's described from Jeremiah two, uh, 10 was pointing people to a foreign God, to a God which wasn't the one true God. But if the symbols that you have are pointing people to the Christ, the real meaning of Christmas, then that is not covered there by Jeremiah 10. So if you have a tree, remind people why you have a tree. It came in you know, through Luther and others to remind us of the one who died upon the tree. And when you have lights on a tree, it reminds us that through that tree, there is light in darkness. And so there's many ways, Neil, that we can take um, the wreath and other things to actually point with honour to Jesus rather than pointing to foreign gods. So if, if you're using these things in a general way to point to foreign gods, I'd agree. But uh, Jeremiah 10 is not talking about a celebration that is pointing people to the one and true God. Thank you to Wayne in South Australia. Our talkback line remains open, 1-800-316-316. Let's quickly talk about Santa Claus for a few moments here, Ross. Uh, how Christian is Santa? Uh, I understand that in the UK... Uh, there are something like 500 churches named St. Nicholas's. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, and there's a very strong presence of uh, remembering St. Nicholas as a saint of the early uh, church. Uh, yes. What are your thoughts on Santa Claus and how you treat him? Well, look, uh, I think people will differ on this, uh, but my sense is because of the link to St. Nicholas that it's very easy for people to, and, and for children, to be shared with the message of St. Nicholas is about gifts giving gifts to others and uh, the, the one who did so much for the poor and those who are disadvantaged and the Santa points to the fact that we have even a greater gift and that gift is in the person of Jesus from God who you know liberates our lives and brings us freedom and justice I don't want to link too closely to Santa but what I can say is that the classical Santa Claus represents what is good 
in society and community. And Neil, if you can't get to Santa with the sense of pointing people to Jesus, then I'd ask you to really think about that. That in God, through Christmas, we have a precious gift, which is the person of Jesus. And that's where we need to get to. Santa is only one that is bringing gifts, the ultimate gift that St. Nicholas would want to bring to people is the message of the Gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We may have time for one more call. Let's take a call from Mary Ann in South Australia. Hello, Mary Ann. Hello, how are you? Very well. What are your thoughts, Mary Ann? Um, I, I come from an ethnic background and I just wanted to, with the Santa Claus... We still hold to St. Nicholas. So mm. we never, in our language, or even the Polish friends I have and others, um, we would always refer to St. Nicholas being at this Christmas function or at that Christmas function. I'm really saddened that um, uh, here in, the, uh, say, in Australia, that uh, we've taken on Santa Claus instead of just sticking to St. Nicholas. Wow, I think you could start a revolution with that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, the other thing is our media. And again, if I look at the country my parents have come from, the media there on Christmas Day would actually greet everyone, wish them Happy Christmas, and actually state that today is the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, it's irrelevant whether you believe you don't or you do. The fact is that's what the public holiday is for. And yet I find our media is almost embarrassed to, you know, that sort of sidetrack it all. Uh, the third thing was, I'm going to be quick. So, yep, you better, uh, The yep. third thing was gift giving. Uh, as a child, we, we didn't have much. But I remember our Christmases, we didn't give gifts. Um, but we had, we would go to church, we would have the lunch, we would go and visit all our friends. We would end up with uh, a community dinner dance. So there was rejoicing and singing, and and for me, those are the best Christmases. Marianne, you have just delivered some wonderful, fabulous mm. insights. Uh, a quick response from Ross for Marianne. Oh yeah, wonderful, and I agree. Let's uh, let's claim Saint Nicholas. I mean, interesting. This could be a revolution. <laughs> it is great. And uh, just quickly, the idea of going to church on Christmas Day. Most churches have a Christmas service. It helps to create a family culture, Ross. Yeah, and Neil, don't only just go to church. Take a moment as a family to read the opening chapters of Matthew and Luke. It will only take you a couple of minutes, you know, maybe half an hour. Get the true meaning of Christmas. Read those. You'll discover they're not three wise men. They're just wise men. The wise men don't go to the stable. They go to the house. There's no innkeeper. Get rid of the myths and just read the two or three chapters out of those two Gospels. Do it together. It'll take you half an hour. Then go to church with the real meaning of Christmas just stored in your heart. Thank you so much to Mary Ann from South Australia. Just a, a few minutes remaining in our conversation, Ross. Uh, I know that some listeners will be impressed by the idea that there's a little more substance to some of these questions and challenging things about Christmas and sometimes you don't get to explore substance without doing some deeper study and learning. Mm. I wanted to ask you as the principal of Morling College in Sydney, uh, what does 2018 look like for you? Are you are you coasting uh, to some new heights? Uh, what's happening with uh, the capacity for people to study through you? 
Oh, look, uh, br- br- brilliant for us, Neil. Yeah, uh, we've got new courses. We've got a Master of Chaplaincy. We've got Cert 4 as well in chaplaincy, so you can enter at any level. Um, really keen to train chaplains in schools and elsewhere. We've got a new Master's in Missional Leadership. We have degrees, a standard kind of programs. And, Neil, we also have a free course called The Lens. If you go to our website and you're just interested in getting introduction to Old Testament, New Testament, church history, ethics, don't want to pay anything for it, can download it, use it in your groups, use it in your own personal uh, private study, just go to the Morning website, uh, look for something like The Lens, look for the free course and, and use it. Take advantage of it. Use it in your groups. Use it all for yourself. Because as you say, 2018, Neil, is a year that Christians need to stand up and arise. We do it best if we're well-informed, we love the Word of God, and we're into the Word of God. You know, we've been under a little bit of pressure this year, haven't we? And 2018, I'm suspecting that there may be people who are having taken a little bit of a shake, saying, what is it that I truly believe? Some will be wanting to do some deeper preparation and even for potential for serving God in a particular level of formal ministry. Morlingcollege.com, M-O-R-L-I-N-G, college.com. That's the website. Just quickly, you mentioned a free course uh, clearly, a free course is like an introduction to other courses that yeah. are on offer. But uh, how popular has that one been, Ross? Oh, it's really popular. Droves of people, Neil. And you can just do the course in itself, as many units as you want. But it's a course that's more than a Bible study, but not necessarily you know, like doing a degree. So you want a background to New Testament. You want a background to Old Testament. You want a background to church history. That's where you get that kind of information at a level you can do on your own. It's free, and if you love it and you decide, well, I want to do more study at a deeper level, you can do that as well, Neil, and everything we do can be online or face-to-face as well, including the free courses online. So I agree with you, mate. I think 2018, resurrection year, you know, we're bouncing back. (laughs) We're bouncing back with a well-informed, you know, kingdom of God army. (laughs) Well, sometimes we say as the darkness gets darker, the light gets brighter, and part of that is going to be an enormous number of people who are going to want to deepen their understanding of faith. So maulingcollege.com is the website for Mauling College. That's where Dr. Ross Clifford is the principal. And uh, Ross, thank you so much for your encouragement. In order to overcome some of the myths and to have an appreciation of your faith, get back to those uh, understandings and those writings in Matthew and Luke and check out those gospel accounts of that very first Christmas. Dr. Ross Clifford, Principal at Morling College, thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Good to be with you and blessings and Merry Christmas to everybody. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.